Good morning from Northern California. I have to pull myself away from the news. I get sucked into that. And now it's time to do a reading from the Lady in Gold, the extraordinary tale of Gustav Klimt's masterpiece, Portrait of Adele Blockbar. And we have Maggie Moo here. She's making her appearance. She's rubbing along the... Uh, counter here wanting to listen to our story. We are at Klimt the Seducer. Here we go. By the summer of 1899, Adele was betrothed to Fanedad. Among those not impressed by Adele's hideous fiancé was her friend Alma Schindler. Like Adele, Alma was still in her teens and in no mood to be generous. Alma was struggling with the desire aroused by the kisses and caresses of Gustav Klimt. She had been fantasizing about Klimt for months that spring when her mother mentioned that the sultry genius would be joining the family on a trip to Italy. Her mother pointedly warned that Klimt had at least three affairs running simultaneously and was not to be viewed as a prospective suitor. But when Klimt dined with her family on the first night in Italy, we devoured each other with our glances, Alma wrote in her diary. Alone with Klimt in a covered horse-drawn carriage on a rainy afternoon in Florence, Alma let Klimt caress her under a blanket and couldn't sleep that night for sheer physical excitement. At their hotel, Klimt ran his hands through her waist-length hair, abruptly stopping because he would have lost control of himself and done something foolish. At the Bridge of Sighs in Venice, my heart missed a beat. He wanted to feel my breasts. Klimt slipped into Alma's room in, Geno in Genoa and before I realized it, he'd taken me in his arms and kissed me. It was indescribable. In Verona, Alma volunteered to take Klimt's iron shirts to his room, and they kissed until, quote, we were both terribly agitated, end quote. Later on the stairway, he stood behind me and said, there's only one thing for it, complete physical union. Overwhelmed by desire, Alma staggered and had to steady myself on the banister. Klimt insisted, surely God wouldn't mind if they physically consummated a union inspired by love. The heated glances became obvious. Carl Mall ordered Klimt to stop. Klimt got Alma alone for a feverish last kiss. With such force, such frisson, that it fulfilled a physical instinct. Now, Alma wrote, I know what a kiss is. Then Klimt was gone. Soon Alma was smitten with her new composition teacher, Alexander von Zemlinsky, who pressed my right hand between his legs and placed his whole body between my legs and pressed hard as they kissed. But she still burnt for Klimt. Sorry, she still burned for Klimt. <laughs> I got the T on the end of Klimt. Oh, never mind. 
but she still burned for Klimt. I desire him with every fiber of my body, she wrote in her diary, and even if I marry ten times, I shall always love him. She fantasized about going to Klimt's studio and living life to the full just once. As Alma pined, Klimt's personal life erupted in crisis. Klimt was entering his most creative period, and the intensity coincided with an increasingly complicated love life. When Klimt returned from Italy, he wrote a long emotional letter to one of his young models, Maria Zimmermann, known as Mitzi. Mitzi's parents lived far from the magnetic world on the Ringstrasse. Her stepfather was a stern, low-paid officer in the royal guard of the Emperor Franz Joseph. Her family was poor and Catholic, with many children. Her mother had high hopes for Mitzi, who spent hours in museums and dreamed of being an artist. Her mother mistakenly saw Klimt as a conspicuously eligible bachelor. She encouraged Mitzi to stroll the leafy street in Schrosef's Josefstadt district where Klimt had his studio. Klimt opened the garden door one day and noticed the teenager with golden braids lingering under the chestnut blooms. He invited Mitzi in. As Mitzi told her mother breathlessly, Klimt delicately arranged her heavy red gold hair, gently turning her head gently turning head and shoulders with his large hands as he sketched her. Klimt told Mitzi he would like her to be in a painting of Franz Schubert playing piano by candlelight. A wealthy Klimt patron, Serena Lederer, lent Mitzi a whispery silk gown to model for the painting, and Mitzi eagerly shed her unfashionable street clothes. Mitzi felt honored to be taken seriously by a great man. Klimt asked her to model nude for the naked truth of the secession. Mitzi introduced Klimt to her mother, raising expectations. Klimt wrangled, sorry, Klimt Klimt wangled Mitzi a role on a holiday parade float representing Vienna and her family cheered with the crowd. Klimt unveiled his painting of Schubert, playing one of his sensual piano compositions. But he didn't invite Mitzi to the Dumba Palace on the Ringstrasse to join the guests, admiring his rendering of her as a delicately lit, mysteriously beauty, mysterious beauty by the piano, her hair a russet halo. The critic Hermann Baugh called it the most beautiful painting that was ever painted by an Austrian, saying that This tranquility, this placidness, this radiance on the civic modesty, this is our Austrian character. But Mitzi was desperate. Mitzi was pregnant. It is possible, is it possible, that your dear good mother doesn't have a clue? Klimt wrote when he returned from his steamy encounter with Alma. I'm I'm falling apart from within, in a chaos of contradictions, how destiny has tortured me, hunted me. I feel more guilty than you can ever imagine. How was I ever happy? How was I looking forward to Italy? How much did I hope, full of longing to be relieved of this sadness? But it was not meant to be. 
Everything beautiful was destroyed by torturous thoughts. My heart wanted to burst from pain. From the time you came, I felt you were a kind of fate. I felt it would be better if you didn't come, but I couldn't do without you. But at the same time, the beast within the man was aroused. I held it down, and we resisted for a time. I had a holy reverence for the Virgin. You were saved. Then you came again, and you came again, transformed, and the disastrous mischief began. How deeply it cut into my heart when I, I was asked, at the unveiling of my last painting, this painting of misfortune so many times, who is she? Always, she, the very image of you. I should have told them, that is a blessed and beautiful child that I have brought, brought misfortune and misery. And if I rake my feverish mind from the depths of my idiotic skull, I can't change what has happened. Dear Mitzi, maybe you can find the courage to tell your mother everything. It is really so unnatural. Is it really so unnatural, so incomprehensible, Mitzi? Is it the most disgusting thing that can happen to two human beings? Must I wander the earth, a haunted man? Bring me a bit of comfort by telling me that you forgive me. I need strength. It is imperative. I am bound to do a major state commissions until the Paris World Exhibition. I have to sustain my poor and defenseless sisters. You shall be cared for as if you were my wife. I want to shelter you from sorrow and look after your future as a small penitence, penitence for the misery I have brought upon us. For that, however, I need the strength to awaken from this despair. You are going to bring it to me when you say that you don't blame me and your dear mother does not condemn me. I ask you for this comfort. With it, I will return to work with redoubled strength. Will there be a reprieve? Your deeply unhappy friend, Gustav Klimt. He didn't tell Mitzi he was expecting another child in two months with a poor Czech washerwoman named Maria Ukika. The odds are Usika, probably. It's U-C-I-C-K-A, interesting last name. The odds were against Mitzi from the start. Klimt was deeply attached to his unmarried sister-in-law, Emily Floge, and her family. He would never give up this relationship on this, or the summer idols, idols at, Mount, at Mountain Lakes with the warm, close-knit family that his late brother Ernst had had the good fortune to marry into. They were the only real family Klimt had ever had. Mitzi took Klimt's advice. She told her family. Her stepfather threw her out. Enraged, she would jeopardize her sister's slim marriage prospects. Mitzi moved into a small hotel and begged Klimt for financial support. Marriage was not just a convention for most women in those days. It was the arbitrator of their destiny. It could determine comfort or poverty, companionship, or abject loneliness. For a girl like Mitzi, an affair with Klimt was a high-stakes endeavor. Love moves in rapture, Klimt espoused, but free love was easier for men to advocate. And that is the end of that piece. The next section is entitled 
an innocent abroad. I hope you're enjoying the story. Thanks for listening.